We have Bob Iaccino, founder, chief strategist of Path Trading Partners, joining us to talk currencies and treasuries. Bob, welcome. Good morning to you. I want to begin with Fed Chair Jerome Powell. We started off the show talking about the dovish tone. Uh, I'm curious what stood out in terms of his comments to you yesterday. Well, I guess what stood out to me yesterday, Ben, and, and good morning, by the way, is the lack of kind of slapping the equity markets down. I think after that particular speech yesterday, I took a look at what he might be looking at, and I think it might be yields. If you go across the last few days, let's just take the 10-year, for example, after the uh, Fed press conference, after the FOMC meeting, the 10-year dropped 13 basis points. In the next four days, it was up one. I'm talking about yields, by the way. Mm -hmm. The next four days, it was up one basis point, up 13, up 10, up four, and then this morning, we're down two at about 365 or so. So when you look at it from that perspective, uh, is the market actually not behaving the way Jerome Powell would want? Now, I, I could argue that stock prices are part of loosening financial conditions. We talked about this last week, Ben, when you look at the Chicago Fed Activity Index, um, go to the Chicago Fed and find the Financial Conditions Index, and it is showing looser financial conditions, and stock prices are a part of that. But when that last reading was taken, and we'll get another one on February 8th, when that last reading was taken, yields were a lot lower. So it'll be interesting to me to see what size factor, because I don't have the, net, the math behind it, uh, what size factor uh, the 10-year yield is, the five-year yield, the 30-year yield, which are all higher since the last Fed meeting. So if you look at it from that perspective, the longer-term yields are pricing in stronger inflation in the future. That's what they're doing. Prior to that, they were pricing in a slower economy, which if you go off of the last couple of sets of data, that weaker economic data is getting slightly stronger. And in theory, that's what you would want if you're looking for stocks to go higher. You would want to see the Fed pulling back and the data getting a little stronger. Now, having said that, analysts are starting to drop their, their predictions for uh, EPS and revenue for next quarter, not this quarter that we're in, obviously, for next quarter, at a higher rate than they have at any time in one, five, 10, or 20 years. If you look at the one-year average, the five-year average, the 10-year average, the 20-year average, the drop of analyst expectations for earning is larger than any one of those periods. You know, Bob, I want to uh, get your thoughts here in terms of uh, it's important, and I agree with you as far as the data getting stronger, but I also think it's important that we're seeing that data getting stronger and well-received, right? And <laughs> watching rates and shops is a little bit concerning to me. We actually started off earlier in the show, we were talking about this move lower in terms of, uh, well, Treasury futures. You were talking rates to the upside. We're talking Treasury futures now to the downside. Taking out the 50-day moving average for the bonds, the 10-year, it's been a while since we've been below the 50-day moving average and even longer since we've been below it for a sustained period of time. But I guess I'm curious if this is the start of something big. And as I look at this, it coincides with what we're seeing in the dollar. Dollar's starting to inch its way up as well here. Now it's firming. I mean, all of this uh, very supportive of what we've seen in terms of this move in the greenback back above 103. So from a perspective of the move in, in the 10-year, I see the 10-year going to 388, which is the equivalent of about 108.25 or so okay. in the 10-year futures. That's a pretty big move. Um, I think that's probably the next stop for the 10-year. Now, you look at the dollar itself, that'll strengthen the dollar. And one of the places the dollar's actually weak is against the Japanese yen. And that has a little bit to do with, you look over the last four days of price action in the JGB, the Japanese 10-year, and you haven't seen the market press that 50 basis point cap 
that the, the uh, Bank of Japan has put on that. So from that perspective, if the market is no longer testing that 50 basis point cap, it's only been four sessions, right? But if the market isn't doing that, that means the market again believes central banks in general are turning dovish, hmm. right? Which theoretically means lower yields, although that's not how it's playing out here in the US. So that means that the Bank of Japan is not putting yen into the market to pressure that yield cap to keep that the JGB below that yield cap. So if they're not dumping those yen onto the market, the yen is strafing, but against the euro and against the pound, we're going on the third straight day now of weaker data there, I'm sorry, weaker moves in those particular um, currencies as well as the third straight week. The yen is behaving the opposite, but if we look at the dollar index, obviously the largest uh, opposing currency in that basket is the euro, and the second largest is the yen, but then the third largest is the pound. Same thing happening in the Swiss. So I think you can see some short to medium term dollar strength here if the market continues to believe this and if the bond market continues to believe that we're going to have higher inflation in the future, which, which is what is being priced in. Now that sets us up if we get a weak second quarter uh, earning, I'm sorry, first quarter earnings date in the beginning of the second quarter. That sets up to me stocks to get hit pretty hard. Bob, obviously that would favor the U.S. dollar, it would seem, in terms of the relationship we've seen as of recent, but kind of diving a little bit deeper into the euro and the pound, we have Fed Chair Jerome Powell uh, kind of backing off, it seems like, and coming with a bit more dovish tone, a little less aggressive than he could have been, certainly. And on the other hand, you've got uh, Christine Lagarde, you've got the Bank of England, which still, well, not necessarily the Bank of England, but uh, Christine Lagarde, the ECB, basically committing to another 50 basis point rate hike. I mean, again, you can see the discrepancy which continues to play out there. I agree. And the interesting thing about that, Ben, is is the Fed used to go 25 basis points every other meeting. Jerome Powell mentioned that. And now he says it's interesting that 25 basis points in the next meeting, which is currently what's priced in, is somehow viewed as dovish. Well, it is versus the current hawkishness. So Jerome Powell is hawkish. He's just incredibly less hawkish mm -hmm. than he was. You know, Christine Lagarde didn't actually help the euro in her speech because she committed to 50 more basis points, but then she had a lot of language in there as if that was going to be the last one. Um, that's how the markets took that, at least in the short term, and that's where the dollar strength is coming from because still the Fed, uh, Jerome Powell said it in the speech yesterday when he was being interviewed, he basically said, look, we're probably going to have to raise rates more. But he mentioned disinflation again. And that disinflation, which everybody needs to know is different than deflation, that disinflation looks likely to continue. If we get into, we have to get into deflation, which is negative price moves. Okay, so disinflation is a slowing of the rate of inflation. We're still getting higher prices. We saw that in the PCE figures. Prices are still going up. But if we don't get into deflation, the Fed to me isn't likely to cut rates. Why would they, especially if stocks are going higher? There's literally no reason for them to cut rates if inflation is slowly coming off and stocks are going higher. It would almost be ridiculous. It would almost be like excess stimulus. Now, it doesn't mean the Fed is right. The Fed's been wrong before. But if we continue with disinflation and the stock market keeps going higher, anyone who's looking for rate cuts, in my opinion, is likely to be disappointed.
quick look at the two-year, I think, uh, coming to grips with the idea that disinflation is different than deflation. I like that, Bob. And uh, uh, you can see here recently back up to 4.4, we're just shy of. We were below 4% uh, briefly there into the end of last week. Bob Iaccino, great breakdown here, taking a look at the Fed, uh, some financial market reaction to a, well, week that's been focused primarily on, uh, again, uh, what's to come in terms of rates uh, and March and ultimately the inflation narrative. Uh, again, Bob Iaccino joining us this morning uh, from Path Training Partners.